Welcome to episode number 18 of the podcast series. Uh, I'm currently recording this sat on a balcony in Greece. It's lovely weather and I'm just looking over some mountains. So you can imagine that while you're listening to today's podcast episode. It's very picturesque and having a lovely time. Hence why this podcast is up two days late because I just haven't managed to get around to it. I probably need to learn a thing or two about scheduling things in advance and having it ready to go. But hey-ho, welcome to this episode, chat over, let's get into what we're talking about, which is what I wish I knew when I first started my business. Um, Yeah, when I first started out, you could definitely define my approach as sporadic, intense, and in total, just a huge learning curve. It's very fair to say that the first year of my business, um, I totally made it up as I went along. I turned to Google whenever I needed to know something. And I generally was just waiting to see what tomorrow would bring and rolling with the punches. If there is a checklist of possible problems to face when starting a business, I think I would have ticked most of them off. From having no work-life balance and pricing myself wrong to getting isolated and experiencing total burnout, the first year of my business is a textbook example of what not to do. But hey, whether we're two months, two years or 20 years down the line, there'll always be something to learn. I've never really been one for regret um, or for dwelling on what went wrong, but I think that if I would change one thing, It would have been to talk to other people, ask questions and discover what they've learned within their story. I know that if I'd have done that, I probably would have saved myself a significant amount of faff, time and confusion. (laughs) But that brings me on to today's episode because I'm going to be sharing five things that I wish I knew before starting my business. So whether you're new to the self-employed world or have been in the business, had a business for years, uh, keep listening because I truly believe that there's always something that we can learn or just be reminded of. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. If we haven't met before, my name's Alice and I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK. It basically means that I work one-on-one with entrepreneurs and help them to develop effective and sustainable online strategies. I'm going to be real, when I first started my business, Google was my go-to for all my questions and I was incredibly isolated. A job which I once loved was soon making me pretty miserable and I realised that something needed to change. You see, I truly believe that when we create community with fellow entrepreneurs and keep it real about what we're going through, being self-employed becomes far more fulfilling. So consider this podcast your go-to place for a good old mix of honesty and expertise. Listen in on open conversations with likewise women, where we'll discover their stories and also the learning curves which has got their business to where it is today. Also join me for solo episodes where I'll unpack a digital marketing or business topic, hopefully leaving you with some expertise that you can apply to your business right away. So now that you're up to date on who I am and what this podcast is about, let's dive into today's conversation. So the first thing I wish I knew before starting my business is to be intentional and not intense. And what I mean by this is that there's no denying it, right? Starting a business is hard. It's hard work. But I just want to tell you something. There is no direct correlation between working hard and having success. I've experienced this weird culture, both in the corporate world and in the kind of self-employed world, where working hard is celebrated. We celebrate people for working long hours sacrificing their lives for their jobs and generally just doing more stuff. 
I'm literally not kidding. I used to work and consult for a company who would give out annual awards to the people who replied to their emails the fastest. And to be honest, at the time, I thought it was very exciting and I had my hopes up to win it. But looking back, it's just such a small but kind of painful example of what's wrong with our working culture and wrong with the things that we value. It's very easy to get sucked into that mindset and believe that being busy means doing well. Um, And I'll put my hands up and say that I did just that because in my first year of business, I worked very hard. I did long hours. My to-do lists were even longer than those. But I totally believe that if I just did a bit more, things would get better and I would do better. But in truth, it was sucking the life out of me and I wasn't even doing that well. There were times where people would credit my success and I would think, if this is what it feels like to be doing well, I'm not sure that I really want it at all. But let me tell you, that's not the way it has to be and something truly remarkable happens when we value being intentional over being intense. An old manager who I used to work with and is honestly one of the biggest inspirations in my working life always used to say to me when I was, you know, leaving the office really late or emailing out of hours, he would say, Alice, I celebrate your results. I don't celebrate your hard work. And it frustrated me at the time and I know it may sound a little harsh to other people, but it constantly reminded me and continues to remind me to consider the output of what I do over the input. It comes back to that little phrase of working smart, not hard, which although it's very overused and probably a bit cringy to some, it's totally true. Instead of conforming to the usual schedule of working eight hour days with five day weeks, consider how you can work in a way which prioritizes long-term results and respects how you work best. Give yourself times in the week where you review the previous day's work and consider how it would be more efficient. Constantly be open to finding new ways of working which keep you at your best. And please, if I can tell you one thing, don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that being busy, having big to-do lists, working long hours means doing well, because there is far more to life, there is far more to business than just that. So that's number one. I wish that I had valued the intentionalness of, is that a word, intentionalness? I wish I'd valued being intentional over being intense. On to number two, uh, which is to take a break. And let me tell you, if I had to pick one of these five, to tell you about just one, this would be the one. And it's the one that's made the biggest impact on my business. Um, I, You may be familiar a bit with my story, but to tell you a bit more, which you'll learn throughout this episode, for the first year of my business, I worked 12 hour days. I was constantly switched on and I just kept running. People around me would tell me that I needed to take some time off or, you know, change something about my schedule, but I just didn't feel like I could stop. I kept up that pace for about a year until it came to Christmas and within the new year I burnt out completely. I couldn't even face taking a week off work because I thought that the world would stop turning and everything will crash and burn but after I took a week off I couldn't even face going back to work and I ended up taking six months out. Despite not being an experience that I would wish on anyone or particularly want to go through again I'm so glad that it happened because it's taught me to value balance. And if you're one of those people like me who I'm a little bit, um, what's the right word? Sometimes I don't learn very well from people telling me stuff. I want to experience it myself and I'm a bit stubborn. That's probably the word. Um, And I, yes, probably wish I had listened to people at the time, but I probably wouldn't have learned this lesson in such a harsh and strong way if I hadn't just experienced what it was like to burn out and have to re kind of reset yourself. When you love your work, it's really difficult to tear yourself away from it because you love it. 
But I can tell you from experience, when you don't let yourself take breaks, what you once cherished, what you once really enjoyed doing, very quickly begins to feel very joyless. It's amazing to love your work and it's amazing to be passionate about what you do. But let me tell you, it's even better to love it alongside your friends, your family and your hobbies. Looking back, I always say to myself, I made a lot of money then, but I didn't have any friends to enjoy it with. So therefore, to me, it didn't feel right. Before my burnout, I was totally convinced that if I took a day off work or didn't answer an email straight away, everything would crash and burn. Which looking back was a really selfish way to view things, but I was totally consumed in what I was having to do and the role that I was playing out. It's easy for our workloads to feel that consuming when we work for and by ourselves, but let me just affirm you, nothing is ever as urgent as it seems and you're just as deserving of a break as anyone else. The difference is that it's your responsibility to make that rest happen. You no longer have a manager who's going to tell you to go home or approve that holiday. You have to do it for you. And if you need any more convincing on the importance of breaks, let me tell you that 99% of my ideas and inspiration comes when I'm away from my business. So if you're in a bit of a rut, maybe the answer isn't to keep pressing in or trying to type out new Word documents. It's to take yourself away from the laptop and see what happens. So that was number two of things that I wish that I knew. Probably the biggest one, take a break. On to the third, which I think is something we can all have say we've either experienced or if you're starting your business kind of now are definitely thinking about. And that's to sort your prices out. It's very true that as a consultant or freelancer, pricing yourself is not an easy feat, particularly when you're new to the game. There's no protocol, there's no spreadsheet which says what we should be charging. And it's difficult when you don't really know how it's done. Money isn't always something we talk about, but as a business, it's kind of vital to what we do. And I wasted a lot of time and potential earnings by pricing myself wrong. Whether my prices were too low or I was pricing in the wrong way, it wasn't good for me. So hopefully this is going to save you a bit of the hassle. I'm going to walk you through three fundamental truths which will help you to set your pricing or review your pricing if you've already set it in place. The first is to consider your monthly pay and work backwards. And I think this is something that a lot of us have done when we think about what we need to charge. Generally speaking, people are either going to charge an hourly rate or a project rate. And what you choose is up to you and the industry you're in. But regardless of which, it's important to have a clear idea of how many hours or projects you need to complete in order to still live a life. Because we need money to live, right? <laughs> so decide, decide on your desired monthly earnings. Maybe do that based off of um, what you earn when you're in a salary or what you'd like to earn, whatever, that's up to you. Um, make sure that you take into account tax and any other business expenses you're going to have. And then once you've got that figure of what you want to earn, realistically evaluate how many projects or hours you can complete per month. And from that figure, work out your rate from there. Without the consistency of a salary, I think I'd suggest pricing in a way which ensures that if only 75% of your client space is used, you're still able to pay your bills and live a life. Because I'm sure you will get to a place where you have a client waiting list and there's no gaps in your time. We have to be realistic sometimes that there are quiet months and times when it isn't just as easy to bring in that money. The second tip I give you is to price according to the value you're adding. Now, this one was a serious mind sh mind shift, mindset shift for me. 
Um, I can bet that the majority of those who are self-employed began by underpricing themselves. And for me, I did that because of imposter syndrome and also feeling terrified of clients' reactions when I told them my prices. And that stopped me from pricing what I felt was right, what I felt was deserved, and what I felt was due in accordance to the service that I was giving. Let's say that you're a website designer. Instead of thinking about your regular hourly rate if you're in a nine to five, consider the impact a newly designed website will have on a business. They'll get better customer experience, more sales, stronger brand recognition, the list goes on. You need to charge according to that, according to the value that you're adding to their business. When you see your services as businesses investing in themselves, investing in their futures and investing in their future bottom line, your price you're charging becomes far easier to walk with because you're not saying necessarily my time is worth this you're saying the services I'm giving you the products that I'm you're ending up with are worth this amount of money I'm just going to let you know now that you probably will experience people thinking that your prices are too high uh no joke I was once in a meeting where they it was a like a consultation meeting so they were seeing it they wanted to hire me um and they asked me my price and I said it and one of them choked on their water because they were so shocked. Um, and in that moment, uh, probably if it, that was a year or two ago, I would have freaked out and offered to put it down and said that I'd said it wrong or something like that. But when you know that you're pricing in accordance to what you're worth, I sat there, I explained the investment they were making, I explained why it was worth what it was, and I explained the other services they could go with from other people within their budget, but what they would get, which was different. And good news is, by the end of that meeting, they said they wanted to hire me. And I'm so glad that I stuck to my prices and didn't change it just because I was a bit scared they'd think I was charging too high. So know your value and be confident with what you charge. As um sure some hair campaign says, because you're worth it. But I don't know which hair campaign that is, one of them. <laughs> my third tip for pricing yourself is to be um, realize that you won't necessarily work eight-hour days. And what I mean by this is when you're a freelancer or consultant, your hourly rate will generally be significantly higher than the hourly rate you would expect from a nine to five. And that's for a number of reasons, such as tax and expenses, and also just you wanting to earn more. But something I never expected to account for was the fact that the hours I was getting paid for wouldn't be nine to five or eight hours a day. To put it in perspective, the hourly rate hourly hourly rate I charge is about six times the amount I would earn in a full-time employed version of my role and that's because I only work in bunny ears work for around four hours per day. What I mean by that is when you're self-employed a proportion of your time will be spent in your inbox creating content, communicating with clients, replying to inquiries and all the other admin that we have to do. And I hate to break it to you, but if you're about to become a self-employed enter profession here, you won't be doing that profession 24-7. So when you're considering an hourly or project rate, be realistic about the workload which you are able to and want to take on. As I was 100% shocked by the other activities which took up my time and stopped me doing my work, again in bunny ears, for eight hours a day. 
On the topic of money, Julia Day from Easy as VAT is incredible. She's a financial coach and she has a podcast where she breaks down all the financials involved in running a business, from pricing yourself to tax expenses and VAT. I seriously couldn't recommend her content enough. She's just one of those people who just manages to talk about money, isn't awkward about it, is very honest, gives out some really great advice. So you should definitely check her out if you want to discover more about the ins and outs of all the financials involved in running a business because it's definitely something that none of us are ever really prepared for so you can find her at easyasvatvat.com so go and check that out or there's a link in the show notes over at alicebenham.com forward slash podcast but yes that was number two which is a bit of a long one but talking about pricing yourself right now on to tip number three or is this tip number four this is tip number four i'm obviously getting very out away with myself not really sure what's going on the sun is obviously getting to me <laughs> but number four of things that I wish bef- I knew before starting my business is that you're in charge now and when I started I came from a nine to five employed role and it came as a total shock to me how responsible I was for everything and when I say everything I mean everything when you work for and by yourself you no longer have managers to direct you colleagues to turn to for inspiration and encouragement or employees to delegate work to. Everything now comes under you. From deciding a work schedule to carrying out administrative tasks, you are on your own. Many of us treasure being self-employed for the flexibility and freedom it brings, but very often it's that lack of structure which brings us a whole lot of hassle. This one, this point that I'm bringing you here is going to play out differently for everyone and it's going to change depending upon where your strengths and weaknesses lie. Because for me, my weakness lies when it comes to taking a break and deciding when enough is enough. Hence the previous point that we went through about taking breaks and resting. I realized within about six months of my business that I really missed having an authoritative figure to tell me at 6pm that I'd done enough and could put the laptop away and I really struggled to carry that role out for myself. If there's one thing that's true, it's that becoming self-employed teaches you a lot about you and it's a big learning curve. You learn both the good and the bad, but recognizing the areas in which you fall will seriously maximize how strong you start. If you struggle with numbers, hire an accountant. If administration or customer support isn't for you, consider a virtual assistant. If you miss colleagues to bounce ideas off of, maybe join a mastermind. Or if, like me, it's that accountability and wisdom of a manager you miss, maybe a business coach is for you. Recognize your weaknesses and consider how you can put something in place to ensure they don't hold you back in your business. It's seriously something I wish I'd given more time to at the start, but it's something that I really work into my schedule now and think about. And on the subject of you being in charge now, yes, that means you're in charge of tasks. And yes, that means you're in charge of all these different things that need to get done but you're also in charge of your style as a business. And what I mean by that is you're in charge of how available you make yourselves to others. You're in charge of the way that you make your clients feel. You're in charge of the impression that you give people based of what you put online. And I don't say that in a way to scare you or to make you feel intimidated by the amount of responsibility you have, but in an exciting way. That when we're self-employed, we're not in a position of being the victim of someone else's decisions or someone else's authority. We can decide it for ourselves. If you don't like the way that something's feeling in your business, change it. If you start to make a decision and your gut instinct says it isn't right, 
do something else. It's an incredible, incredible blessing to have so much freedom within our work. And I think often we forget that it's there. So if something doesn't feel right, if something needs to change, change it because you are the one to do that and you are in charge now. And the fifth and final one, which is probably one of my favorites and one of the most fun learning curves for me was to make friends. <laughs> I don't mean for that to sound super lame, but I don't know how else to say it. You need some friends because alongside taking a break, yes, it's good to take breaks, but I would also say a huge part of making your work a ton more joyful is making friends. And this has been one which has been really fundamental in my business in the past six months. When I talk about the year of business I had where I worked super hard before I burnt out, I had my head down, my life was spent behind my laptop and I was completely isolated in my work. I had no idea and I had no connection to people out there who did the same thing as me in the same way. I think in my head I thought I was the only person who was self-employed that did social media consultancy. Now I realize there's a lot of us but I think at the time I was just so isolated I thought I was the only one. When we're working without peers around us, every problem feels like the end of the world and victories often get left uncelebrated. If I can give you one tip for bringing joy into your work, it's to surround yourself with people who get it. Find entrepreneurs who understand that one day everything feels exciting and the next you want to give up. Get people around you who can both encourage and inspire you when things don't quite feel 10 out of 10. And engage in spaces where all the questions can be asked, no matter how small or silly they may sound. At the start of this year, one of my big business intentions and things that I wanted to focus on was to get in community and make more business friends. And I've not found a less cringy or weird way to say it than business friends. But what I just mean is people who get it, people who are in similar industries, who work in a similar way to you. And at the start of the year, I wasn't quite sure what that would look like. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't want to just go out there and DM people on Instagram asking if they wanted to be my friend. That felt a bit weird. But um, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. And if there's anything I've realized, it's that we're all in the same boat. And when you're reaching out to someone and when you're maybe connecting with someone, they're probably wanting that connection and that community just as much as you are. But here's a couple of tips from me of really easy ways that you can engage in community and kind of start to make those industry connections. The first one is Facebook groups. Um, Facebook groups are incredible. There are a ton out there. Almost every um, like network or community will often have a Facebook group I'll recommend a few for in the minute but what they're really grateful they, they all have different structures and purposes depending but often they're just a really safe space where you can put any question out there whether it's about your marketing whether you're looking for outsourcing and you want recommendations whether you want feedback on something you've made you can put it out into those spaces and a ton of people who are in both a similar interest to you and not are going to give you incredible feedback and answers. A few that I would recommend if you're UK based, One Girl Band has a Facebook group led by Lola Hode, which is brilliant. I love it. Uh, and Lola does kind of prompts most days of the week, which give you a space to talk about what you want to promote, talk about what you're winning at that week and encourage other people. It's just a really nice space to be in. Um, Janet Murray does the Soulful PR um, and that's also UK based and in there is also a great space where people ask a lot of questions and you can kind of engage in community and also there's some great content in there to do with PR and what that looks like in an entrepreneurial and small business sense and another one that I really love which is US based made by Jenna Kutcher is Gold Digger Insiders so it's her podcast 
it's for her podcast, but listeners, um, but it's a Facebook group off the back of it. And that's also just a great space where people, you can connect with other people and kind of discover more about other people's stories and what they've learned along the way. And I've often made some really great connections off of those groups because you'll respond to someone's question and then maybe you'll find them on Instagram and then maybe you'll get chatting and it just kind of goes from there. My second one, which is probably the one which I think is the scariest, but definitely the most effective is to attend events. I think sometimes we get really good at liking and commenting and DMing and talking online that we kind of lose the beauty of speaking to people in person and actually just being in a face-to-face conversation. So I would suggest either find a friend to come with you or be super, super brave and attend some events. There's a ton out there. There's some which are purely to do with networking and I don't mean networking in the sense of who can I connect with for the sake of my business getting better. I just mean making friends and meeting new people and there's other great ones which are Q&A based or their panels or their expertise sessions or they you know just breaking down an element of business and it's great because when you go to events you find people who are in the exact same position as you because if you've gone to an event where you're learning about I don't know um photography in your business all the other people are in the exact same place as you with wanting to learn that too. So it's a really great place to kind of deepen relationships with people more so than you can do online and find people who are in the same boat as you. If you're UK based, I couldn't recommend enough the She Can, She Did events by Fiona. They're absolutely wonderful. They're a really great mix of like 50% of it is Q&A with a really inspiring panel. And the other and other side of it is literally just mingling. They're called um, the Weekly Mingle. The mid, I don't know what it's called, something mingle. But it's by She Can, She Did. Look them up. They're on Instagram, website, Twitter, whatever. I mean, they're just really great events. They always have really great goodie bags. And at the last event, they had gin and tonics, which is always a winner for me. So I would check out those events. But also one of the best ways I think to find about events going on is if you're following people who are real industry experts and kind of big names in the self-employed world, they will speak at loads of different events. So keep an eye out about what they're promoting and what they're speaking at. And if you really love them, you're most likely going to love the event that they're going to or endorsing or speaking at. So kind of just keeping the loop that way is a really great way to see what's coming up. And the third one, which kind of is both of those combined, is do not be afraid to reach out. It can feel terrifying and awkward being the one to send that DM or follow the person or like or comment. And sometimes I think we feel a bit like we're hustling them or we're being a bit needy. But very often I found when someone's reached out to me and they've said, you know, I hope this doesn't sound weird. I'd love if we chatted. I'm like, oh my gosh, that doesn't sound weird at all. I'd love to chat. Or when I've been on the other end of that, you feel really awkward doing it, but it always gets received in the best way because we're all in the same place. So Instagram, best place to be. Follow someone, give it a few weeks, like some stuff. If you like it, don't just do it to become their friend. That's weird. Comment, genuinely speak to them. Tell them something you really love about them. Say a thank you. Tell them what you appreciate about them. Recommend them on one of your pieces of content. Something like that. It's just a really great way to continue to build relationships. And do not be afraid to make the first move. I think we've all been in that position where it feels really scary and awkward or like we're the kid in the playground. I don't know if you had this at our school. We had like a buddy bench where if you had no friends, you sat on the buddy bench and someone had to come and be your friend. Sometimes on Instagram, I think I feel like I'm sat on a buddy bench and I'm just trying to make all these friends. But in the big picture sense, you're not a moron on their own. You're just getting a community and that's the best place to be in. And let me tell you, it's going to transform your business for the better. 
So I feel like I rambled a bit on that last point, but that was it. Five ways, uh, five things, sorry, that I wish I knew before starting my business. We did be intentional, not intense, take a break, sort your prices out, know that you're in charge now and make friends. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that whether you're thinking of starting a business in the very early stages of starting a business or you're years into it and a bit of a veteran, that this episode has either taught you something or reminded you of something that you need to value or consider a bit more. Thanks so much for tuning in. I genuinely appreciate it. And I know that every single podcast host says this, but if you do enjoy this content, I would absolutely love if you left a review over on iTunes. Um, More so, it doesn't really actually just makes me very happy to know that people enjoy this. And I think we can do a lot more in the world to appreciate the content which other people are putting out there. So whether it's my content or others, if you read or hear something today that you really love, tell that person because it means a lot more than you probably think. So thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll be back next Friday because I won't be in Greece. So I'm sure I'll actually upload it on time. But until then, I hope you have a great week and we'll speak soon.